what a, what a beautiful passage of scripture we have this morning, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Like, doesn't that just, I don't know, it just doesn't really get much better than that, does it? I mean, this is, a, this is a common theme in the book of Philippians. I'm excited we get to dig into it today. In this short little four-chapter letter that Paul wrote, he talks about rejoicing. He talks about joy 16 times. Just four chapters. 16 times he brings this up. Eight times it's in reference to the joy of the people in Philippi, instruct, you know, in, encouraging them to be joyful. And, but eight times it's also just talking about his own joy. Like this letter, it just rings of joy. And he's like, I'm joyful. Would you be joyful? I love what Chrissy was saying. There's this, when we are joyful, it's a little bit contagious, right? I don't know if you ever like at youth group, like many, many, many years ago, many, 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 many years ago for some of you, uh, if you ever played the laughing game, you ever do this? And people like lie down. This is like one of those weird things that Maybe youth groups don't do this anymore, um, but one of those weird youth group things uh, where people like, everybody lies down on the ground, and you have to put your head on somebody else's stomach, and then you're supposed to go, ha, and then another, ha, and then everybody goes, ha, 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 like you're, like you're laughing, but eventually everyone is just actually laughing, and your heads are going, because everybody's laughing. This, this, but it's like the laughter, the joy, it's infectious, right? There's something fun about that, about seeing other people having fun and being joyful. We get invited into that as well. It's beautiful. So Paul is doing that. He's talking about his joy. He's inviting the church in Philippi into that same experience of joy. And, and it makes sense, right? Like it makes sense that Paul would be writing about joy because the gospel, like the truth, that God is a God who loves us so much that he is willing to suffer and die for us so that we can be set free. This is good, good news, right? This, this evokes joy in our hearts. And so when you read these words, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Like for many of us, this is like a deep, beautiful encouragement. But I don't know that it's always met that way by everyone who reads the passage. Actually, I know some people, they read that and they go to a place of self-critique. They go, well, I'm not joyful. Does that mean I'm a bad Christian? Or, or, or the other verse, do not be anxious in anything, right? But in all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Um, what's the verse? <laughs> How's it end, guys? <laughs> in all things, with thanksgiving. Somebody knows it. Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, right? And some people read that and they go, oh, my anxiety, it just melts away, right? Oh, I'm so anxious, but I can, I can by prayer and petition with thankfulness, I can come to God and it just melts away. And other people go and they pray and they get even more anxious because their anxiety is not going away, Right? And it actually bubbles up in this really negative way and it spirals and there's shame and there's, there's you know, uh, condemnation in their hearts they feel. It's amazing to me how this passage can mean such different things to different people. And, and as I was preparing to preach today, I was so concerned. I had this like deep concern in my heart that I would be wanting to preach this message of joy, of celebration, of beauty, of peace, and that some people would hear it in a completely different way, right? That some people would receive it as a message of shame, of condemnation. And that's just not, that's not my heart. That's not, I don't think that's the heart of the passage today. 
We're going to get to that. We're going to come to that. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to be able to clarify that. But as we start off this morning, I actually have a video clip, very high tech. I have a video clip for us to watch. <laughs> it's from a documentary called Itao. And to be honest, I don't really recommend watching the whole documentary. Uh, it's quite old at this point, and some parts have just not aged very well. You know how that happens? Yeah, some parts have not aged very well. But this one clip, very short, it's like 30 seconds, this one clip from this documentary is stuck with me for years and years and like, I don't know, probably like 15, 15 years. It's been like stuck in my head. And so I want to share it with you, but I'm going to give you some context first. So this, this documentary was created by a missionary organization called Ethnos 360. Maybe you've heard of them. I think they're, they used to be called New Tribes. Their, their headquarters is just like in, in Canadian headquarters, just over in Durham, actually. But what they do, they do scripture translation and evangelism with unreached people groups. Um, and they have this really unique way of doing their evangelistic work. So they, they actually don't begin with the gospel. They go into a community, they build relationships, they learn the local language, they start to translate the scripture into those languages. If there's not a written language, they create a written language so that they can write out the scripture. Um, and eventually, eventually, you know, far along into this work, they begin teaching the Bible. But really fascinating, they don't start with Jesus. They don't start with the Gospels. They actually start by teaching people the stories of the Old Testament. And it's not for like, the, you know, in, in this documentary, it was over two months that they were teaching two sessions a day, every day, for over two months before they finally got ready to tell people, just begin talking about Jesus, who he was. And then, and then they get to this talking about Jesus, they finally, two months in, they talk about it and they paint this beautiful picture. Right? They, they help people to really learn about him, to, like, to, to idolize him, like to fall in love with him. And then finally, they get to the story of his crucifixion and his resurrection. And then they draw all, draw on all that they've already taught the people about the Old Testament and the sacrificial system to show them how Jesus was the final once and for all sacrifice for them. And how if they believe in him, their sins are forgiven. And we're going to pick right up at that revelation coming to the people. That's going to be the clip. So right now, they've, they've learned it. They've heard the story. People have started standing up there saying, well, I believe in Jesus. And, and other people, and people are getting excited. And then the man, the, the, the missionary tells them, well, if you confess you believe in him, then you are saved. And then this is their response. Mark saying that if they really are believing, then God's word says that their sin is forgiven. Itao, it's good, it's true. Spontaneous rejoicing breaks out. This went on for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. They continued on in this rejoicing. Like, talk about the joy of the Lord, right? You know, this looks like it could be at, like at the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Like, like, can you imagine on a Sunday we celebrated Jesus in the way that Leafs fans would celebrate if they ever, 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 ever win the cup again? <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> what a sight! <laughs> and I so, I, I can distinctly remember the very first time that I saw this clip. I distinctly remember it. I was at summer camp. 
one of the counselors showed it to us as a part of the devotional time that he led. And he actually went on, him and his wife became missionaries at that point. They're still, I'm not sure where they are, they're in Papua New Guinea right now. Um, they went off, they became missionaries of Ethnos. But he showed us this video, and uh, as a part of devotional time he led, and I distinctly remember how I felt when I, I watched, we watched the whole documentary, but I distinctly remember how I felt at this scene. I remember I walked away, and there were, there were two feelings that like bubbled up in me at the same time, two different feelings. Maybe, maybe you'll find some of this in yourself. So the first thing I felt was just a longing, like this deep in my heart, in my soul, longing to experience a joy like that in Jesus. I desperately wanted that. I had never experienced something like that in my faith. Like this ecstatic overflowing of joy. My faith was much more stoic. My faith was much more intellectual. You would never have caught me jumping up and down excited about what Jesus had done for me. I saw the joy and the Mook people, and I wanted it desperately. And actually, I think that is such a beautiful desire. Like, I think that is a God-given desire that, that for this kind of deep joy in our hearts. Like, I think God gives us that desire. I think it's so good and beautiful. But if I can be a bit vulnerable with you this morning, the other feeling that I felt which quickly overwhelmed that first one, pushed it out of my mind, was a feeling of conviction, was a feeling of shame that I didn't have a joy like that. I felt condemned by their joy. I felt like there must be something wrong with my faith. Maybe, maybe it's not authentic. Maybe I'm not really saved because I didn't feel that free. I never felt that free. Maybe, maybe my faith wasn't honoring to God because I don't have whatever that was, right? And I had read the imperative and I had been preached to about, you know, Philippians 4 and this command to rejoice in the Lord always. So important that Paul says it twice, right? And I had heard sermons about the fruit of the Spirit and I knew that good Christians were supposed to be joyful and I really didn't feel that most of the time. So I went from longing, which was good and beautiful and I think was right from God. I went from that to lack and then to shame and condemnation. And if I'm being honest, I, I said this earlier, I have felt such a heaviness as I prepared for this sermon. A heaviness that somehow while trying to share amazingly good news with you, because Philippians 4, 1-7 is such good news. I felt the heaviness that... What some of you would hear is not hope, but condemnation. And so I want to say this like so clearly, like really, really clearly. I'm just going to lay it out there so that we are all on the same page this morning. If you walk away from this message about the possibility of joy in the lives of followers of Jesus, if you walk away feeling condemned or beat down or like you need to work harder and, and grasp and you know, grit your teeth and try to force yourself into being happier, if you walk away feeling like you just need to fight more to have somehow you know, believing that's going to take you to a more joyful life, that is not from God. It's not. Friends, this passage of Scripture this message about peace and rejoicing is good news of hope. This is, 
This is news of an audacious hope. And this is the hope that we have. The hope that we have is that in Jesus, there is a joy that supersedes circumstances. That in Jesus, there is a peace that goes beyond human understanding. Not in you, right? Not in you. The message is not that these things are in you and you somehow have to drum it up. The message is that this is in Jesus. And if you are a Christian, that you have him and his Holy Spirit within you. And, and, and it's from him, from God, that that joy and that peace can flow. Yeah? So if you are not experiencing God's joy, if you're not living in his peace, the message is not how dare you or get your act together. The message of Jesus is saying, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The message is freedom. It's joy. It's delight. It's beauty. It's wonder. It's excitement. So what I'd like us to do today is step back into the first feeling. The first feeling that happened in my heart, maybe in your heart, when you see the rejoicing of the Mok people. Before condemnation and shame get a word in edgewise, let's step back together into the feeling of longing. Of longing, and let's see what God might have for us if we come to him with an earnest desire for some of his very best gifts, yeah? I think that it's safe for us to say that, that these gifts from God, that joy and peace are things that we long for, right? Like, and not just as Christians, but actually as humans, these are things that we long for. Like, who doesn't want to be filled with joy? And in an anxiety-riddled time, who wouldn't love a little bit of peace? I think the truth is, as I see people addicted to their phones, constantly seeking out distraction on social media platforms, or, or you know, the endless stream of new TV shows on various streaming services, I think what we're really seeing is people searching for these things. Usually it's, it's joy that can be found in finding something or that we're trying to find in in finding something entertaining a glimpse of a glimpse of pleasure that quick hit of happiness that comes when you find that funny cat video right that's what we're searching for and then it's over and we try to find the next one or or perhaps what they're looking for is peace that they that they can try to experience peace by forgetting about all the difficulties and challenges in their lives in the world around them for just a little while by being distracted right? But the truth is, the little bit of happiness you can feel from watching a funny video or the peace that comes from being distracted from our problems are a very far cry from the joy and the peace that the Bible teaches us about. That how do we make our way into God's joy? How do we make our way into God's peace? Over the years, I have heard so many different pieces of advice on this front, like so many, countless. I'm sure if we went around the room, there would be like, we'd have as many different pieces of advice as we have people here. If you've been hanging around churches long enough, you, you probably have heard lots of them, right? But I, I would actually want to take a bit of a different approach to this today. Because there was something that I noticed as I was studying this passage this week and thinking back on that video clip of the Moog people in and it's just, which has just stuck in my head for years of a Christian joy. And there's this whole conversation for us to have sometime about joy. 
about joy as a fruit of the Spirit, about how the Christian life is marked by patterns of joy. But this passage today in Philippians is talking about rejoicing. Not just any rejoicing, but rejoicing in the Lord. Right? That's what Paul is inviting the people to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Right? Like, and here's the thing about rejoicing. It's a verb. Right? This is an action word. This is something that we actually do. But beyond that, it's actually it's a responsive action. It's a reaction. Rejoicing doesn't bubble up out of nowhere, right? We can't simply will ourselves into it, being and, and you know having it be in any way authentic. You can't just decide I'm going to rejoice in this moment. It's kind of like gratitude, if that makes sense. Like you can't just make yourself feel thankful. If you if you sit and try to feel thankful, what happens? Nothing, <laughs> right? Be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Yeah, you probably get anxious, right? It's not working. But if instead of trying to feel thankful, you turn your eyes and your heart to things that you have received, all of a sudden, we begin to find ourselves experiencing gratitude, right? It's the side effect rather than the end goal. And I think that's how rejoicing works too. If you're trying to force some rejoicing, we could, we could I mean, we did it earlier, right? We, we jumped up and down. <laughs> we celebrated. We were cheering. And uh, maybe that would make you feel excited. But I think for the most part, it's kind of empty. It's fake. It's inauthentic. It feels silly. It's because rejoicing is responsive. It needs to be rooted in something and Paul is really clear what the constant rejoicing, because he says always, right? He says rejoice in the Lord always. He's really clear what this constant rejoicing that he's calling the church and Philippi into is rooted in. It's rooted in the Lord. It's not just rejoice always, right? What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And that brings me back to our video clip. The Moog people embody this, right? They weren't blindly rejoicing. The explosion of joy in their lives was connected directly to the undeserved grace and forgiveness that every single person who calls themselves a Christian has received and continues to receive each and every day. If you are struggling to rejoice, I wonder if it is not so much an error of joy as it is a struggle in our ability to accept and receive God's good gifts of grace. Friends, I, I really believe this. Rejoicing in the Lord cannot be separated from our own experience of God's grace, of God's grace and his forgiveness in our lives. That is like, that's the ground zero. That's the place where it starts. When shackles are torn off, when we are set free from sin and shame that binds us, when the weight that we have been carrying is finally lifted, rejoicing is the natural side effect. And it can bubble up by the moving of the Holy Spirit within our hearts, uninhibited, when we experience such a great forgiveness. Rejoicing in the Lord does not mean gritting our teeth and trying harder to be joyful. It means remembering what we have to be joyful about. 
And as Christians, we always have this beautiful thing to rejoice about. We have been set free. You have been set free. And this is why I'm so deeply convinced, this might feel like it comes out of left field, but I'm so deeply convinced that a regular rhythm of confession is actually a central part of being people of joy. Because our tendency is to, is to go into distraction, right? Is to pretend that our sins aren't there to minimize the wrongs that we've done. But when we do that, when we choose distraction, we actually are robbing ourselves. We are robbing ourselves of an opportunity to rejoice upon receiving God's mercies again and again, which are new each and every morning. We rob ourselves of the gift of absolution, of being told again that we are forgiven by a God whose great love covers over a multitude of sins. It's kind of funny. It just came up in my devotional reading this week. It really struck me as I was preparing for today's sermon. Psalm 51, right? David's psalm of, of contrition, of, of repentance after his sin with Bathsheba. He's committed this great sin. He's exposed before everyone. He writes this psalm of confession. And when he's confessing his sins and asking for forgiveness, this is one of the things that he says. It struck me so much this week. Verse 12 of Psalm 51, he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When David went looking for forgiveness, he knew that he was also seeking out joy. And he knew that when he received it, there would be cause for rejoicing. Do you want me to switch to the handheld? Okay. Um, and he knew that when he received it, there would be cause for rejoicing. So I'm curious. I'm curious, George. What about you? Do you have like do you have a deep longing? Like when you see people rejoicing in the Lord, people experiencing the freedom, the joy that comes from that? Do you have a deep longing in your heart for that kind of joy? Is there a desire to experience that, to walk into that? What might it look like for you to turn your eyes to the very places that we try to look away from and to find God's forgiveness, His grace, and actually a beautiful gift of joy in those places that you've been avoiding. So I, I think that that's this invitation to rejoice in the Lord always. I think that that's what we're being called into. And I think because of God's great grace, that's why we can continue to be joyful. I'm just looking at the clock. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about rejoicing. I really want to speak about this other command which follows the imperative, the imperative to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, right? Like, there's so much to say here. Um, but what I will say, uh, <laughs> so just like how rejoicing isn't something that we grit our teeth into by brute force, anxiety isn't something that we, by the strength of our own will, convince ourselves out of either, right? If you ever tried this, you know it doesn't work you're worried and you're like, oh, don't worry, I'm just not going to worry about that. It just doubles down the worry, right? <laughs> and if, if rejoicing in the Lord is really about God's great grace, 
our experience of his great grace and forgiveness, what I would say is um, that experiencing God's peace is really about God's great faithfulness. Right? And I think that's why the passage says, like, by prayer and petition, but also with thanksgiving. Because it's not in our trying hard to forget our fears, but by the grateful remembrance of God's faithfulness and our own stories that we are able to take our anxieties and place them at the foot of the cross. Trusting that a God who has been faithful will continue to be faithful. It doesn't promise that all of our problems will go away or that things will work out just fine for us, but it does say that God's peace, which is completely disconnected from circumstances, will protect our hearts and minds. He will be our protector. I wish that I'm going to leave that there. But this is the invitation, church. An invitation to the experience of God's grace, his beauty, his forgiveness, which bubbles up in our hearts as joy. And an invitation to the remembrance of God's faithfulness in our stories, but also in the stories of people around us. I don't know how, this is where like, I think about groups again. <laughs> Like in these groups, in these gatherings, we get to hear the stories of people's lives. I, like as a pastor, I get to hear them all the time. Like I get to be so encouraged hearing the stories of all of the different people in this room and not in this room's lives where God shows up and is faithful. I'm super blessed to be in that position. You don't all get that all the time, but boy, is it worthwhile. If you have a story of God's faithfulness, it is it worthwhile to share it with others because it actually plants seeds of peace right? The remembrance of his faithfulness. That's a gift that we can give to one another as we step into something that might be a little scary, sharing these stories. Because usually their stories, the stories where we really needed God are often not the stories that we wanted to share, right? So that's the invitation. That's the challenge today, church. A challenge that I hope comes more as a relief than as a challenge, that there is a joy, that there is a peace, but that its origins are not in us, our striving, our working, but in a God who is so, so, so good. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you today for the gift of your great joy, of your great faithfulness, of your great love, of your redemption, the gift that you just keep coming after us over and over again, no matter how many times we mess up and fail. That every single one of those opportunities is another chance to have our debts forgiven, to be set free. Another chance for us to be drawn deeper and deeper into relationship with you. Lord, I pray. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come and you would restore unto me, that you would restore unto us the joy of your salvation. And for us as individuals in this place, in this time, in this culture, it might not look like the Stanley Cup final. But I do think it will look like something beautiful, alluring, wonderful, exciting, something that brings a smile to our face, perhaps tears to our eyes. Lord, soften our hearts to feel, experience that beauty today. We pray this in your name.
Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.